0: When we give our lives to Him. And so He wants us to just be that vessel that He can flood through. A gift to everyone that we encounter. And along the journey of life, although God has packed His fullness in us, sometimes we pick up other things along the way and kind of pack them into the gift box of our life that God didn't intend to be there. And so in this series, the last few weeks, we've been doing some examination of our contents, little quality control of the contents of the gift box of our lives. And so we started out a few weeks ago, and we talked about insecurities, because that's one thing that women really have a tendency to pick up and tuck into the gift box of their life. And then last week, we talked about hurts and offenses. And all of those things are things that we can tuck into our life without realizing that they actually prevent us from being the gift that God created us to be. And today I want us to continue and talk about a few other things that we can pick up along the way that really don't need to be in there. How many of you know that when you face a challenge in life, Sometimes we have a tendency, in the midst of challenges, to pick up a few things and deposit within our lives that really don't need to be there. Anybody aware of that? Anybody ever face challenges? Absolutely. We all face challenges. We live in this world. Challenges will come. But we've got to be careful what we're picking up along the way, and when we face challenges. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, open them to the book of James. We're going to read quite a few scriptures in the book of James this morning. And in James chapter 1, in verse 2, now hopefully you haven't all, like, blacked this verse out of your Bible or anything. (laughs) It says, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, when you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Anyone ever felt enveloped in a trial? Yeah, maybe you feel enveloped in a trial today. Are you excited about it? Have you been excited about it in the past? <laughs> Do you get excited and so joyful when a challenge comes your way? Not hardly, not usually. But that's how God wants us to respond, that we carry this joy with us in the midst of the challenge. And not only does he want us to be joyful when we go through challenges, but his plan is that the challenges will also cause us to draw on His nature, the things that he's put within us, that he's packed within our lives. So continue on there in James and look at verse 3. It says, Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking nothing. Essentially coming into maturity. People who grow in God. So these are things it's talking about that are part of God's nature that He's packed within us. So in the midst of a challenge or trial, He wants us To experience joy. That's His nature. He is joy. He wants us to experience endurance. You know, endurance is part of the nature of God. He doesn't want us to give up. He doesn't want us to quit and get discouraged along the way. Steadfastness is part of the nature of God. Patience is part of the nature of God. How many of you ever pray for patience? You might watch those prayers. (laughs) Courage. It's part of the nature of God. Did you ever stop to think about how much courage was displayed when Jesus endured the cross? The great courage that was displayed in his life. In the midst of challenge, He wants us to draw on these things that He's put within us, His nature within us, His peace. He is the Prince of Peace. We can have peace in the midst of a challenge because it's not a peace that's based on circumstances or situations. It's a supernatural peace that comes only from Him. We can have strength in the midst of a challenge. He doesn't want us to collapse and cave in. He wants us to have a supernatural inner strength that comes from His Spirit. He wants us to draw on His love in the midst of a challenge where we're not shrinking back, but we're still reaching out and loving others even when we go through challenges. God wants us to draw on His nature that's already within us so that those things become bigger and take a more dominant role in our lives and we grow and we become mature throughout that challenge. Amen? So, if that's the case, then it's actually God's plan that when a challenge arrives in our life, we see it as an exciting opportunity. We say to ourselves, okay, God, I may not understand this. I may not have all the answers. But I'm going to choose to have joy in the midst of this. I'm going to choose to draw on your nature and grow. And and this is an opportunity for my faith to expand. And I'm going to become stronger and better and more mature. And people are going to see the testimony of what you're doing, God. And we make that decision that when... God's glory is revealed, which it will be in the end, that we're not embarrassed because we came through it kicking and screaming, but we make that decision that we're going to come through it, drawing on the nature and fullness of God within us. That's how he wants us to approach a challenge that comes our way. But is that how we usually (laughs) face a challenge that comes our way? Not always, is it, ladies? What are the things that we tend to pick up when we face a challenge? What are the things that, that we tend to, to grab hold of and deposit into the gift box of our life? The things our flesh wants to reach out to and grab hold of. Unhappiness? We don't like challenges, do we? And so we just get, start to get unhappy. With life, and we just let that unhappiness settle down into the gift box of our life. What about worry? Anyone ever pick up worry in the midst of a challenge? And just kind of let that worry pack down there. How about discouragement? Sure, we can let challenges discourage us if we're not careful, and then we just let that discouragement get packed down in our lives. What about complaining? Anyone ever complain in the midst of a challenge? And we let those words, negative words, sink down into our lives. What about anger? What? What about anger? We can get angry in the midst of a challenge. I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? We let that anger settle in our hearts. What about blame? Sometimes we look. For others to blame. Sometimes we even want to blame God in the midst of a challenge. And we let that blame just settle in our hearts. What about fear? We can get fearful when we face a challenge. Our flesh wants to give in to fear when we face a challenge and let fear settle down into our lives. We've got to be so careful, fear would love to take our lives captive. And fear causes us to shrink back. Fear causes us to become stingy and hold on tight because we're afraid of the future. Maybe we're facing a financial challenge. We're fearful. We don't know how we're going to pay the bills. What's going to happen? So we hold on tight to what we have. Fear can cause us to shrink back. Fear can cause us to become stingy. Fear can cause all kinds of negative things in our lives. We've got to be careful about picking up fear and packing it down into our lives. What about confusion? Sometimes in the midst of a challenge, we can become confused. Not know what to do. Not know which direction to go. What decision to make. And we let confusion settle on us. What about doubt? Sometimes when that challenge lasts more than an hour, (laughs) we can start to question and doubt. And we let all of those things settle down into the gift box of our life. But none of those things will produce what God wants to produce in our lives through a challenge. They actually sabotage God's plans, not just for us, but for others. Because God wants us to be a gift to others, even when we're in the midst of a challenge. It's not just on our good days that He wants us to be a gift to others. Even when we're facing trials and challenges, God wants us to be a gift to others, and it is possible. But, like we talked about last week, we've got to learn and get good at making that great exchange, exchanging what our flesh wants to pick up, refusing to allow these things to deposit in the gift box of our life and drawing on the things that God has packed within us so that we can truly be an amazing gift to others. So I want us to look... A little bit more in the book of James, because James continues on after those first few verses that we read, and he actually gives us five great how-tos to help us make that great exchange. Sometimes you think, I don't know how to let go of these things, because I don't know what to do. How do I make that exchange? Well, James gives us five great how to's on how to make that great exchange. I love the book of James. James was a pastor, and so he's got a pastor's heart, and the book of James just very lovingly gives us that good little swift kick in the rear that we need sometimes to get back on track, to recognize what is it we need to be doing. And we're going to skim through some things in the book of James today, but I encourage you ladies, take time to read the book of James and just devour it. and Let yourself just dig into all that he has. I love James. There's just so much richness in it. But let's look at a few things. The five how-tos of making that great exchange. First of all, look at James 1 and verse 5. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given to him. First thing ask for wisdom. He wants us to ask for wisdom. Challenges are usually unexpected, right? They usually hit us out of the blue. And most often we don't have the immediate answer or solution to that challenge. Wouldn't really be much of a challenge if we did, right? So we need his wisdom. We've got to come to him first and ask for that. Instead of calling this girlfriend first what do i do oh my gosh you can't believe what happened what do i do and then calling this girlfriend oh i need your help what do i do what do i do and then this one says well my sister knows someone who's an expert in that you need to call her oh my gosh so-and-so said i should call you because you know what to do and she says oh yes i do call this person and then we call everybody and their sister trying to figure out what to do in between all of those phone calls of course we're googling everything we can to search the internet for wisdom, to find out what to do in that situation. We need to go to God first and just say, Help! God, I need your wisdom. He always has the answers we've got to run to him first before we check out every other resource and go to him as a last resort no we've got to be women that start recognizing God's got the answer for everything we've got to run to him first and let him give it to us so first of all ask God for wisdom secondly Look down at verse 13. It says, Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. God does not tempt us. God does not cause trouble to come on our lives. We live in this world, and the fact of the matter is that challenges will come. God does not put trouble on us. That is not his nature. He is a loving, heavenly Father. But will we encounter challenges in this world? Yes. And he's with us to walk us through those things. But the second thing here is we've got to realize God didn't put it on us. Number two, don't blame God. So often, people can blame God for a tragedy or situation that they encounter. And all that does is derail us from God's purposes. I've seen people blame God for situations in their lives. And all it does is cause them to get off track and prevents them from going forward into the future that God has for them. And that's exactly what the enemy would want. We've got to be so careful not to blame God. And then number three. Look down at verse 19. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. Don't get angry or offended. We talked about picking up hurts and offenses last week. It's a dangerous doorway that feels good to our flesh at the moment, but only sabotages God's purposes for our life. But generally, in the midst of a challenge, when a challenge hits, if we get angry with someone or we pick up an offense, generally, it's because we think that person caused this challenge. And we're looking for someone to blame. Number three, don't blame others. Ask God for wisdom. Don't blame God. Don't blame others. It doesn't accomplish anything. Nothing positive comes out of blaming someone else. Sometimes our flesh just feels like, well, if I can just... Blame someone else, then just leave it there. It's their fault, and I'll go forward. But the problem is we don't go forward. We can't go forward. Because if we have someone else to blame, then we harbor resentment, unforgiveness towards that person, and it just grows and grows within our heart. And it prevents us from being the gift that God created us to be. It doesn't accomplish anything. Don't blame God. Don't blame others. And then number four... Stay rooted in the Word. Look with me at verse 21. It says, So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the Word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. And it continues on from here with more verses about, when, about what happens when we're rooted in the Word. We become doers of the Word. We're not just to be listeners, just mere hearers of the Word, but we're to be doers of the Word, working the Word, putting the Word to action in our lives. And that's what happens when we're rooted in the Word. It says, that the Word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. And that word, save... Sometimes we read that word saved and we think it's just referring to a one-time experience where we come into relationship with God. But that is not what that word saved means. In the original writing, yes, it does include to be saved from the punishment of our sin through Jesus. But it also means to be rescued from danger. It means protection, healing, wholeness, well-being, peace for our minds. It's continuous. That salvation that we walk in daily, all that God is and that he's provided for us, that is what floods through our life when we are rooted in his word. He wants our roots to go down deep. And too often, in the midst of a challenge, people get discouraged And the last thing they want to do is open their Bibles and get into the Word. I will tell you, in the greatest challenge of my life, when I went through the hardest time of my life, the last thing my flesh wanted to do was pick up my Bible, in all honesty. The only thing my flesh wanted to do was be curled up in a ball of crying devastation on the floor. But I knew that I couldn't stay that way forever. And that I had to get the word in me. And so I'd open to Psalms. Because when you're hurting, you can read the Psalms of David and read and think, oh, he's feeling what I'm, he felt what I'm feeling. He's been there. And you can relate and it opens your heart. And then you can dig in more and more and allow the word to penetrate your heart. Even in the midst of the most difficult challenges, we've got to get ourselves to stay rooted in the Word. And we need to get rooted before the challenge comes. Be getting the Word in us, even before the challenge comes, so that when the challenge comes, we've got the Word in us. We know what to do. We have that strength to push ourselves back to the Word, to stay in the Word. What happens when a plant's roots go deep into the soil? It soaks up nourishment. And that nourishment and food is dispersed to every single part of the plant. And it's the same way with us when we're rooted, not just casually reading the word, not just skimming through and saying, oh, I read my chapter today. But when we're rooted in the Word, it permeates every area of our life. And if we are going to come through a challenge better, stronger, victorious, it is imperative that we let our roots soak deep in the Word of God. So often we're praying for wisdom, asking Him for wisdom, and one of the ways He's going to bring it to us is through the Word. So we've got to make sure we're in the Word. But James continues on here, and he kind of gives us three little tests to show us if we're really rooted in the Word or not. And the first one is, how are we speaking? In James 1.26, it says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observant of the external duties of his faith and does not bridle his tongue but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, futile, barren. We can go on about life saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I read the word, da da, da. and in the midst of a challenge thinking, oh yeah, we're all good and fine, but our tongue is the test. Maybe you think you're rooted in the word, obeying, in the, wo- obeying the word, but if you can't control your tongue... You're delusional. That's my paraphrase of that (laughs) verse there. And does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart. If we're not watching the words that come out of our mouth, if our words haven't been affected by the word of God, then we're not really rooted. The word is not soaking through our lives. If we're speaking the problems, speaking doubts, speaking badly of others, then we're delusional. That's what it says. James 3 says the human tongue can be tamed by no man. We can't do it on our own. We need the Word of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God to help us. And when we're rooted in the Word, it permeates through our entire being and our words are in alignment with the Word. Test number two, see if you're rooted. How are you loving It continues on in verse 27 and talks about visiting and helping and caring for orphans and widows in their affliction, helping people in need. Even in the midst of challenge, we've got to be recognizing and seeing the needs of others, reaching out to others. If we are rooted in the Word, it will be evident in how we're living, it'll be evident in our actions, in how we're loving others, because we will see others. We won't just see our circumstance, our challenge, our problem right here. We will see others. We will see their needs, and we will reach out to others. We will be a gift to them in the midst of our challenge. And part of loving others means loving everyone. James continues on right there from 27, continues into chapter 2, talking about not showing partiality, not showing favoritism, but loving everyone, treating everyone the same, not judging others. And I think as women, sometimes we do that without even realizing it because we gravitate towards those who are like us, those who kind of look like us, those who kind of dress like us, And we just gravitate towards people that we're comfortable with or who are familiar with us or we're familiar with. I was talking to a gal recently who said that she has been challenging herself, pushing herself to step out of her comfort zone and reach out to people who are very different than she is and how awesome that was. And you know what happens when we do that? We realize people are people. People who are believers have... The nature of God in them. They may look different from us. They may have a different style, go about doing things differently, have a different background, whatever the case may be. But there is rich treasure in every person. And we've got to be careful not to judge, not to stay in our little cliques, but to reach out and love all people, even in the midst of a challenge. And when we're rooted, really rooted in the Word, that's going to be an evidence of it in our lives. And the third test, if we're rooted in the Word, how are we walking out our faith? James 2 tells us that faith without works is dead. You see, the Word fuels our faith and causes us to put our faith into action. We're asking God for wisdom. We're asking Him to show us what to do. But when we're really rooted in the Word, really clinging to God, that propels us to step out, to not just sit back and say, yeah, I'm standing in faith. Yeah, yeah, someday it'll turn. Yeah, I'm standing in faith. We need to put action to our faith. What has God told you to do? Step out in it. Are you waiting? What's the last thing God told you to do? Maybe you're saying, well, I haven't heard anything in a long time. What's the last thing? Did you step out in that thing? We need to put action to our faith. We need to walk out our faith. And when we're rooted in the Word, that is what will happen. James 2.12, I think, sums it up perfectly. It sums up how we will... Live if we're rooted in the Word. It says, So speak and so act as people should who are to be judged under the law of liberty, the moral instruction given by Christ, especially about love. In other words, the law of liberty, the new covenant, the law of love, what we have as believers. So as Christians, it's saying, Speak and act like a Christian. If we're rooted in the Word, we will speak and act behave like Christians. Not just saying that we are and behaving differently and putting on a facade. When we're really rooted in the Word, we will speak and we will act like Christians. And when that happens, it causes us to recognize this stuff. And When we're rooted in the Word, we begin to see. you know what? I don't even want to be complaining because I know God's got this. He's in control. And we're like, "Uh uh-uh, not going there. Not doing that anymore. We recognize discouragement. And we think, no. I have courage in God. He's with me through this. I don't need to cave in to discouragement. I don't need to give in to anger because I'm not blaming anyone else. God's molding me and shaping me in the midst of this. I'm coming through and I'm going to have a great testimony. We don't need to doubt. You see, when we... Allow ourselves to be rooted in the word. We recognize this stuff and we refuse to let it be packed down into the gift box of our life. Challenges will come, and challenges may be things that have been brought about by decisions we made where we lacked wisdom. Challenges can be things that we've brought on ourselves. Challenges can be things that have been brought on by uncontrollable circumstances. Challenges may be things brought on by someone else's choices and decisions that affected us. Challenges may be spiritual attacks. In James 4, 7, So it says, so be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. It may be a spiritual battle, but whatever type of challenge it is, God has equipped us. And he wants us to draw on his nature to grow and go forward with him. So no matter what the challenge is, these principles apply. Ask God for wisdom. Don't blame God. Don't blame others. Become rooted in the Word. Stay rooted in the Word. And number five, pray. Pray. We need to pray. In James chapter 5, it says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I love that. Prayer can change anything. But sometimes in the midst of a challenge... We get complacent in prayer. And we just sit back and, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. My prayer is not really going to make a difference. It's not really going to change anything. It doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. We need to be women that recognize the power in our prayers and that pray fervently and when we do we will see things turn around i have seen so many miracles brought about through prayer i've seen people given a horrible report from the doctor but through prayer their body was healed i've seen judges change decision in court because of prayer i've seen god do miracle after miracle after miracle because of prayer. Ladies, we cannot grow complacent in prayer. We've got to be praying. When we let these simple how-tos from James really become part of how we live our lives, they automatically cause us to draw on these things. They automatically cause us to endure Because we know we're going forward with God. They automatically cause us to love because we're not totally consumed with our own challenge. We're looking out for others. We receive strength from His Word. We receive His peace. When we apply these principles, that great exchange automatically happens. And when we're drawing on these things, His nature in us, we're an automatic gift to others because we're loving others, because we're going through it with joy and that joy is flooding out of our life on to others. When we apply those how-tos, we automatically make the great exchange and become an amazing gift to others. Let's pray this morning.